Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study begins on the topic of perspective shift. We'll be focusing today on Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 13. Let's dig in. When we come to the book of Acts, what we see is part two of the book of Luke. Now, we've been pretty familiar with the book of Luke over the last few weeks as we have celebrated Advent and Christmas. And so Acts is really part two to the story of Jesus. It is the explanation of what happened whenever those who were closest to Jesus began to walk without Jesus physically here on earth as they began to experience and create the church. When we look back at Acts, though, some of the things that we notice about the church and the energy and all of the things that are going on aren't things that we sometimes notice in the church today. Sometimes those are good things whenever we look and we say, you know what, those are things that maybe should have been left behind. And other things we kind of look at in a longing way and say, isn't that what church should be? Those are the things that I'm most interested in as we look through this lens to gain a new perspective on the church through the book of Acts. We want to look and say, you know, is this what God intended 2,000 years later? And if it's not, hopefully we can pick up some of those things that we have lost over 2,000 years and maybe hopefully let go of some of those things that perhaps we picked up along the way that were never a part of what God intended. Well, today we find ourselves in Acts chapter 8, verses 3 or 4 through 13. Now, we did kind of an intro to this yesterday in our Sunday service at Christ's Table. You can find that on YouTube and on Facebook and download and, and watch it. It's the January 10th, 2022 service. And so we're going to pick up where we left off there. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. And now we're going to focus on one particular follower who was a believer of Jesus Christ, and that is Philip. Philip, for example, the text says, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Now, as part of a little bit of review, a reminder that Samaria was not a place where any Jewish person, Philip or otherwise, really wanted to find themselves. There was a lot of antagonism between them and the people of Samaria that was long standing. And so think of maybe the most difficult ethnic or racial relationship that you can think of. And that was kind of the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans. Whenever they are scattered, though, because of persecution, they end up, many of them, having to go to Samaria for safety. Whenever they're there, rather than fuel fires of racial disagreements, rather than 
cause problems. What it seems as though Philip and the followers of Jesus do is they do something different. They preach the good news about Jesus wherever they go, and they also preach the good news about Jesus here in Samaria. I think that is important for us today to hear because I fear that oftentimes the church finds itself in these days fueling racial tensions, sometimes by ignoring that there are differences, that there have been past pains, that there have been harm done, rather than being a part of the solution. Now, I think that the thing that we can learn here is that they spread the good news about Jesus as they go, not other news. Now, that is very important because oftentimes what happens is whenever we go and teach and talk about Jesus, we're not really talking about the good news about Jesus. We're, we're talking about the burdens of religion. We, we go to people who aren't necessarily followers of Jesus and we say things like, you, you need to follow this rule. You're doing this wrong. You, you made this mistake in your life. You need to make sure that you cut this out that you follow this identity, that you you do all of these particular things, and, and then you're going to be okay. This is the message of Jesus here. Really glad to pass it on to you, all of these burdens and rules and laws and regulations and, and all of those sins that you're doing. Here, here it is, the good news of Jesus. That's not good news. And if you really read the Gospels, it's not Jesus. In fact, Jesus was harsh on the religious people, not on the irreligious people. So I think the first thing that we have to say here, whenever we think about the church and we think about Jesus and we think about our time today is, is the message that we're preaching, teaching, living out as an example. Is it really good news? If people hate us, dislike us, loathe us, want nothing to do with Jesus. That's not the example that we see in the first century. We see the opposite example of that. Some people say, well, they're just rejecting me because they're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting him. No, they're not rejecting Jesus. They're re rejecting a religion and a rule set and a burden that Jesus, Jesus didn't lay on them. You laid on them should be good news. And they spread the good news about Jesus everywhere that they went. Not other news. They didn't talk about their president. They didn't talk about their politics. They didn't talk about their party. They didn't talk about the way that they voted. They didn't talk about their moral or ethical rules or laws that they had imposed. No. They spread the good news about Jesus. If you don't know what that is, a quick and easy read through the Gospels. Look at the words of Jesus when he was speaking to people who were irreligious or who were far from God. That's the good news of Jesus. i got to move on. I could sit there for quite a while. Crowds listened intently to that good news from Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. They were eager to see his works. Now, quite literally, in those days, it seems as though there were miraculous signs, like 
Verse 7 says, many evil spirits were cast out screaming as they left their victims. And there, there's a part of that greatest showman mentality there that, that drew people in. But I think it's important that it says that they were eager to hear his message and that it lists that first and that it lists it at all. The miraculous signs were a part of it, but the greatest part of it was the message that Philip was teaching. If people are rejecting, if people are avoiding Christians and don't want to hear it, it's not because they're turning their back on God. It's because they're turning their back on you and your message rather than God and his message. Because God's good news, Christ's good news, draws people in. They were eager to hear the good news of his message. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Think about that for just a moment. There was joy in the city because of Christians. I can't think of any city or place in the United States, at least today, and, and maybe even around the world, where there is joy because of the presence of Christians. In fact, opposite times, it's quite the opposite. And oftentimes, it's not just the opposite. It is the polar opposite. There is great dismay. There is great frustration. There is great angst in the city because of the presence of Christians. That is not the way that God intended it to be, and that is not the way that it was in the beginning. There was joy in the city, and specifically, in fact, if we go back to this verse, many had been paralyzed or lame and were healed, so there was great joy in that city. Why was there great joy in that city? Because of the presence of Christians, but not just because of the presence of Christians, not just because of their message, but because there were healings that were happening they paid attention to the people who nobody else paid attention to. To be paralyzed, to be lame, was to be alone, was to be rejected, was to be an outcast of society. There, there, were, no, there were no handicap accessibility things that were in place. There were no laws that were there to protect and to help people who, who were physically unable to survive or or fully be human on their own. And so Christians show up in these places, like doctors and nurses today, like healthcare workers today, who are walking into to COVID units, who are walking into hospitals, who are walking into ERs, and literally putting their lives on the line in order to help people, oftentimes many people who haven't done the due diligence of helping themselves by taking care of their bodies, by receiving the right vaccinations to help keep them out of the hospital and keep them healthier, who haven't worn masks around other people who are sick. Christians like doctors and nurses and healthcare workers today, they put on blinders and says, none of those things matter, but you, you are important. And there was great joy in the city because of their healing ways. Most of the great hospitals here in the United States were begun by Christians and denominations who put healing first. You see, it hasn't always been that Christians have been antagonistic against science. It hasn't always been that Christians have been antagonistic about doing the bare minimum to protect other people. Like, 
wearing a mask among those who are immune compromised or, or when you're not able to social distance during pandemics. It's not often that, that Christians were railing against receiving vaccines that will be helpful to other people. At one time, Christians put the health of others first. And there was great joy in the city because they protected people in ways that the rest of the world just didn't care about. And it seems like today it's upside down that the world, the unbelieving world, are the ones who are helping protect and heal the cities. And Christians are like, not going to do it. You want people to be drawn to the message of Jesus? Start healing the city. And I don't think that's necessarily figurative. I think it's both literal and figurative. You want there to be great joy in the city again? You want the church to be a powerful force for faith and for Christ? Then be a powerful force for good in the city. There was joy in the city specifically because of the healings that were taking place. Because the church stepped in when nobody else would. So a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. A sorcerer, someone who was doing magical things, uh, whether or not they were real or fake. The text doesn't necessarily go into it, but it doesn't really matter because these things were real and authentic in the minds of the people. And um, they were real and authentic in the minds of the people, which meant that Simon was sent from God because he claimed to be someone great. And I think it's interesting that it's in Samaria, a place, a place where the Jews, where the religious people had withdrawn themselves from, allowed other players, other bad actors like Simon to fill in those gaps. Simon would have never had a foothold if, if the religious people had been there in the beginning. But now Simon is here and everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him, a trickster, a conniver, as the great one, the power of God. And they listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. Now, listen to this again, back in verse nine, he claimed to be someone great. He called himself, verse 10, the great one, the power of God. And so they listened to him. Just because someone shouts that they are of God doesn't mean that they are of God. I shouldn't have to say this. This should go without saying. But just because somebody says that they are the great one, just because somebody says they are the power of God, just because someone allows others to say that about them, as happened in Simon's case, does not mean that they are there from God. A whole series of Bible studies could be spoken about this very one. People who say they're of God, and they are. And I got to tell you, oftentimes it's the ones who will surprise you. Simon shows up and he is doing amazing things. He is doing things that to them are signs of God, but are not 
signs of God because he is not from God. Oftentimes, the people who you believe are of God, you believe they're of God because they're doing the same things that Simon is doing. They're doing magic. They're bringing in cash to the church. They are creating strong enemies in the political world by the things that they say. They are teaching the truth of the gospel in the hard line exclusionary way that you want to hear. They are ultra conservative and that means they're of God or they are ultra liberal and that means they are of God. They are against immigration and they are against the the lower class and they are against the gay community and they're against all of these things that you are just certain that God is against. So they must be of God or they are for immigration and they are for the poor community and they are for the gay community. And so they must be of God because they are doing all of the things that to you are of God. And they are not. So how do you know? You got to know the Bible. And you've got to know what it feels like to have the spirit of God in you. Because it is so easy to be tricked by people who are doing or saying great things. And unless you know what is up and what is down in the kingdom of God, what is right and what is wrong, you may be caught in the web of some pastor, some associate pastor, some music minister, some children's minister, some youth minister, some executive pastor, some Bible study teacher, some politician, some mover and shaker, some leader in your community, some board member, some television preacher, some Facebook poster, some TikTok conniver who's doing things. That's a great name, but they're not of God. Just because you say it and can do some magic doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But now people believe Philip's message of good news. You see, at the end of the day, the end of the day, it wasn't the miraculous signs or the healings, it wasn't really those things that caused people to believe in Philip. It was the message that was good news. At the end of the day, when they weighed what Simon could do against what Philip could do, it may have been a wash. But ultimately, it was the message It was how Philip held himself. It was what he said. And it was that what he taught was healing in its words. And they believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many women came to faith. They were baptized, which in Acts means they they came to faith. They followed Jesus. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he began following Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed by the signs and great wonders that Philip performed. 
This Bible study on Perspective Shift is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, that's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I have a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on Perspective Shift. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well, www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.